Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 16, titled Olivia in the Lab with the Revolver. Uh, Yet another very, very good episode... Uh, that very much feels like a return to normal-ish. <laughs> like, it definitely feels like a more standard episode of Fringe, whereas the last couple have been huge, game-changing bombshells that have redefined the entire series. <laughs> so, it definitely feels like we're sort of getting back into a standard groove, and as far as cooldowns go, it is... Really solid. Uh, there's a very good subplot that I want to get into right at the beginning here. Uh, where basically Olivia is struggling with whether or not to tell Peter. Uh, she can't sleep because of this. And she's convinced like she she has to tell Peter. He deserves to know. He deserves to know. He deserves to know. Uh, he goes to Sam Weiss about this. Uh, she goes to Sam Weiss about this and... Sam Weiss gives the sage advice of like, I mean, if you uh, if you wanted to keep this secret, it's probably for a good reason. You have you tend to have good judgment. You tend to be a pretty good per- person. Uh, and Sam Weiss sort of spends the episode sort of helping Olivia through this time where she literally can't sleep and it's just completely spiraling to a certain extent. She goes to Walter, who's like, no, no, things have never been better between me and Peter. I can't lose him again. I can't, I, I can't do that. No, can never know. You can never know. She even goes to Nina at one point and is like, hey, I know about Peter. And Nina's like, Oh, okay, that's a thing. Uh, all right. Does Peter know? And Olivia's like, no, but I'm going to tell him. And then there's this, like, big dramatic moment. You can kind of feel, like, the swell happening. And then Nina's just like, no, you won't. <laughs> no, you know how I know you won't do that? Because you've had so many opportunities to tell him, and you haven't. You came to me. You didn't come. See, here's the thing. Working alongside someone as much as you have with Peter, feelings can develop. They absolutely have. And I think you don't want to lose him. You didn't come here for... uh, It was because she wanted to ask again about a list of Cortexa fan kids. Uh, You didn't come here for a list of Cortexa fan kids. You didn't come here to... Declare that you're going to tell Peter you came here so that I could talk you out of it. Uh, And then we get to the very end of the episode and Olivia's like, okay, look, Walter, I've decided you were right. I can't tell him. Some Pandora's boxes shouldn't be opened. And then Walter's like, I mean, yeah, that's cool. But also, like, I've done enough damage. I need to be the one to tell him. I'll do it. So Walter's going to tell Peter... 
that he is not from this universe is from the other side and he was stolen as a child. So that's very much a thing. But while this is happening, like I said, more standard friend story. Uh, there's a woman who basically got super cancer that spread across her entire body and she died from it immediately in her car. Uh, there's a, a They go over her with a black light and see the point of origin of the cancer, like, in the shape of a handprint, suggesting that someone touched her and gave her cancer. And a few bodies drop like this, and someone's going around giving these people cancer. We don't know how, we don't know why. By the way, I, I want to talk about this really cool thing that Walter does, where he basically, like... Saws off the woman's arm at the point where the handprint was. Makes, like, a physical mold of that handprint and, like, bakes it overnight to scan, like, fingerprints and all that stuff. It doesn't work. They get nothing from it. There's no hit on, like, database or anything. I just wanted to acknowledge it because it's freaking cool. I just wanted to acknowledge it because it's a freaking badass, and I love that, and... If only it had succeeded. Man, if it had worked, it would have been amazing. If it had worked, it would have been incredible. But it didn't. No hit on the database. But anyway. We sort of stumble around, stumble around. More bodies are dropping, more bodies are dropping. And eventually, Olivia references the list of names she jotted down. First name, last initial. From the height chart in Jacksonville. And realizes that all of his victims are Cortexafan kids. Every single one. And we we don't know how he's finding these Cortexafan kids. We don't know why he's killing Cortexafan kids. We just know he is killing Cortexafan kids. Uh, Walter's theory is that there's this exchange of energy that's happening, uh, this heightened sense of perception, this heightened state of awareness. He theorizes that it probably only works with Cortexafan kids. So, he's basically exchanging, exchanging his own illness, his own cancer for that person's health swapping energies for a short period of time. Because this dude has cancer real bad. And... is basically prolonging his own life by killing these Cortexafan kids. And then Olivia is able to make a connection that the first body to drop was the sister... Of this guy, James Heath, who was also in the Cortexafan trials. The very first victim was this dude's sister, and no word on him. He's kind of off in the ether and had cancer. So he is our Cortexafan kid himself, which is how he's doing this. And we actually, I've been playing coy talking around this, but the entire episode we see going back this guy, James Heath, going around and saying, Hey, uh, so I, 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 
I think I was exposed to something as a kid, and I want to find the man who who did it to me, and I just think, oh, well, if I talk to other people I was in school with, maybe I'll find the person, and he basically played this, like, game of telephone, where he, he went from one person who told the name of another person who told the name of another person who told the name of another person, and just kept going down that line. One of the victims gave the name of Nick Lane, whose aunt then gave the name Olivia Dunham. And literally, as Olivia Dunham goes to look into James Heath more, look who shows up. James freaking Heath. And there's this big confrontation, there's this big battle, the second, the second he sees an FBI badge, he's like, oh shit. And then, like, immediately they get into this whole tussle, they get in this whole altercation, they do a very good job of basically having Olivia having to run away from this guy instead of actually fight him because she touches him or he touches her, she dead. So, we have to kind of have this very different fight where she has to find ways to take him out that don't involve touching this dude. And has to, like, run and crawl away from him. And it's a very, very good sequence. It's a very, very good fight sequence uh, that they handle very, very well. Eventually, they get this dude on the ground. After Olivia calls Peter, she gets this dude on the ground And he sees the pictures of all his victims and then just breaks down crying. And he tells Olivia that when he had cancer, or when he was in the hospital with cancer, I should say, a man came to him, told him about this Cortex fan stuff, tried to activate him. But the side effect was this power he had to... Well, first off, it made his cancer worse. Second, this power he had to... put his cancer on other people in exchange for their health. Temporarily. And he did this... He found this out accidentally. When his sister held his hand, and then she just died. Because she was also a Cortexafan kid. And then he tried to find this man... Kept going from kid to kid to kid to kid to kid. And they kept accidentally dropping. Not because he wanted them to die. It just happened. And so... This guy is just another unfortunate casualty of... Having his Cortexafan abilities... Activated. Now, it sounds a hell of a lot like this is a remnant of ZFT. It sounds a hell of a lot like this is a remnant of Sanford Harris going around and activating Cortexafan kits. With Nick Lane and uh, the Pyrokinesis twins and all those other people. It sounds like this was just a remnant of that. Not an immediate threat, but definitely, uh, definitely a remnant of that whole deal. 
And I love this one moment towards the very end where, while this dude's in a medically induced coma, Broyles and Nina are talking and are like, you know, there's still a still a lot of Cortexa fan kids out there unaccounted for. Someone could find them and turn them into dangerous weapons. Let's find them first. So Broyles and Nina are now going to be on the hunt for Cortexa fan kids. So that's a thing. That is very much a thing. I'm gonna leave it there. This will become a big deal later on. This will play a part in the larger narrative. Get ready. It's gonna be... It's gonna be something. It is going to be something. Uh, anyway, solid episode all around. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Uh, if you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be posting once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 17. Talk to you then.